Now, as I said outside on Palm Sunday, we remember and we try to enter into the historical events of Jesus' last week before his crucifixion. So as a preacher, you can talk about a lot of things. Uh, But today, I want to focus on one thing in particular, and that is I want us to reflect on Peter's betrayal of Jesus. During Jesus' last week before the cross, he was betrayed by many. Think of the crowd, the crowd who we played out in the procession and we played as part of the passion narrative. That crowd who proclaimed Jesus as king early in the week, they were excited and overjoyed as he entered Jerusalem. But then only a few days later, they call for his crucifixion and death. The crowd betrayed Jesus. Or the disciples, uh, we heard how they fled in the garden as Jesus was being arrested. They were scared to death and and worried about themselves, didn't care about what was going to happen to Jesus. They betrayed him. Or Judas, who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and betrayed him with that kiss. But it's Peter that fascinates me the most. And and he fascinates me because of that conversation he has with Jesus at the Last Supper, where he is so adamant that he will never deny and betray his Lord. And he says to Jesus, and again, we heard this in the reading, he says, Jesus, I I will go to prison before I betray you. I, I will die before I betray you. And I, I believe that he meant it. Peter wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be faithful to him. And yet, only a few hours later, Peter denies him three times. We're told after the Last Supper, Jesus leaves the meal with his disciples and they head to the Mount of Olives to pray. Jesus asks his disciples to pray with him, and then he goes about a stone's throw away, and he prays this to the Father. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And then Luke says that an angel comes and strengthens Jesus. Jesus begins to pray more earnestly, uh, so earnestly that his sweat becomes like drops of blood. And what were the disciples doing, including Peter? Well, they were asleep. And underscores the fact that Jesus is going to have to face this battle alone. His disciples are already failing him. And then, of course, Judas arrives with his band of soldiers with swords. Uh, He betrays Jesus with a kiss. They lead Jesus away to the high priest's house. And Peter follows. Now, this actually speaks very well of Peter at this point. Remember, all the other disciples, they have fled. But Peter has has remained, and he has followed Jesus. And I am sure that as he followed, he was thinking to himself, you see, everybody else denied him, but I've remained faithful. I'll follow my Lord. So they take Jesus to the high priest's house, And Peter follows. There's a courtyard outside, and some people have built a fire there because it's cold. And Peter decides that he's going to go stand by that fire with them. 
which turns out to be an enormous mistake. C.S. Lewis, he says, there is some company and there are some places that we should not go. Not because we are too good for those people or too good for those places, but because we are not good enough. We're not strong enough. There are some situations we should not enter because we're not strong enough to resist the downward pull. We're not strong enough to to stand our ground. And so Peter enters into this time of trial and he's, he's wholly unprepared. First thing we hear is a servant girl is there and she's staring at Peter and she says to the group, you know, this man was with him. And this servant girl was a nobody, had no authority. And so Peter just brushes her off and says, woman, I, I don't know him. But then a little later, a man says to him, you are one of them, you were with him. But Peter says, no, you're mistaken. Then we're told an hour passes. And a third person says again, surely this man is one of them. He's a Galilean. They keep, they keep pushing Peter and Peter keeps pushing back. And he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. It's interesting in, in Matthew and Mark's account, they note that, Jesus, that Peter curses in his response. It's like, damn it, woman, I don't know the man. Just leave me alone. And then we're told that the cock crows. And Peter remembers what Jesus had prophesied, that before the cock crowed, he would deny him three times. So here's the question for us, and this is the question I've been, been wrestling with. Why did Peter do it? Why, why did he deny Jesus and betray him? I mean, it was, it was loyalty. It was true loyalty that brought Peter into that situation around, around the fire. And Peter wanted to be faithful. He wanted to follow. But he ends up betraying him. So why? And as I thought about this, I, I think part of the reason why is because he was tired. I mean, as that night wore on, Peter was exhausted. And he was, he was afraid. And we can understand that. I mean, there's times in our life that we have denied our Lord because we just don't have the strength. We don't have the courage. So I think, I think those reasons are there. But as I reflected on it, I think there's something else going on that we need to see. And that is ultimately, Peter denies Jesus and betrays him because of his unbelief. Frederick Buechner, who's a great Christian writer, he has a really insightful comment about this event and about Peter. He says, when Peter cries, I do not know the man, Buechner says, he was not lying. Peter did not know this man in the courtyard. Peter couldn't wrap his mind around this man and actually believe that he was the Messiah. I mean, we, we all know that Peter and all of Israel, they were expecting a triumphant Messiah, 
a successful one, a, bi- a victorious Messiah. But that's not what they're getting. Jesus doesn't seem very victorious. It's the, the Romans and the Jewish elites who seem to be winning at this game. And so Peter is, is confused. I mean, just see for a moment, see Jesus in that courtyard that night. Put yourself there. Not asking you to see Jesus stripped naked, nailed to a cross, gasping for life. Just see him in that courtyard with his hands tied behind his back, being slugged by the soldiers. And you see, for Peter, as he saw this, it seemed impossible that this was the Messiah, this pathetic figure. You see, Peter's lack of belief in the denial that comes from it, I think it's important for us to think about, especially this week, because it reminds us that we need to wrestle with this incongruity, the seeming contradiction. And we need to think about who Jesus truly is. You know, this Jesus who understood himself as the suffering servant from Isaiah, understood himself, as Isaiah said, as the one who would give his back to those who struck him, his cheek to those who pulled out his beard, the one who would not hide his face from those who insulted him and and spit on him, trusting in the end that God would vindicate him. Jesus, he saw this as his, his task, to be the one who would enter into the darkness, enter into the terror, who would drink the cup of wrath, to be the one who would bear the sentence of doom, to bear our fate and to come out on the other side. That's what we have to wrestle with. As Paul says in Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm not ashamed of the cross. For the cross is the power of God for our salvation and in it a great victory is won for us. Who is this king, this Messiah who dies on a cross for us? Peter, that night in the courtyard, he did not know Jesus. He thought he knew him, but he didn't. And yet, and this is what I think we need to see, Peter did come to know Jesus as he walked through this event in the events that followed. And that's true for us as well. Jesus in the Gospels, he asks us that, that piercing question. He says, who do you say that I am? And until you walk through the events of this next week, you will not know him. Because it's in this week that you meet the power and wisdom and love of God. And so I encourage you this, this week to walk through the events of Holy Week. And I encourage you to do that not by yourself, but to do it as the church. How do you do that? Well, join us on Thursday night, Monday, Thursday. It's one of the most 
beautiful services of the year when we remember the Last Supper, the institution of the Eucharist, and we prepare for the darkness that is to come. And then after that service, in the hours of Thursday night and into the early morning of Friday, keep watch with Jesus. Jesus told his disciples to keep vigil with him in the garden. And so you can sign up in the chapel for a block of time to sit with the sacrament, to sit with Jesus and to wait with him. Come on Good Friday as we remember his death and crucifixion. In addition to our, our noon service and 6 p.m., we have a new service this year at 3 o'clock for our children. We're going to be walking the stations of the cross as families at 3 o'clock so our children can enter into the events of Good Friday. Come on Holy Saturday, 7 a.m. or noon. On Holy Saturday, we remember what we have done. And we sit in that place between death and new life. That's a place that we often find ourselves in our own lives. And then come for Easter at the vigil or on Easter morning and celebrate the resurrection, the grace that we find on the other side of the cross. Join us this week. Join us so that you might come to know Jesus just like Peter did in a deeper way. And join us so that we can live out the prayer that we prayed at the beginning of the service when we said, Almighty God, mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of Jesus' suffering so that we might share in his resurrection. Amen.